0: Good morning, everybody. For those who may not know who I am, my name is Brad. Uh, My wife, Selina, and I have the privilege of uh, pastoring our North Campus uh, in the Warrior area, so it's a a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad to see uh, Bible and Biscuits is flourishing and doing well, Uh, something we've had in the church here now for a number of years. Uh, So please, I encourage all of you who are here, obviously, are taking advantage of it, but I encourage you to invite people to come to it. Uh, to be a part of it, uh, to make the extra effort and energy to come, not just because apparently Nana's biscuits are quite amazing or <laughs> come from the little place, but it's just a, a great time to do two things, to uh, hear and to learn on subjects and topics that uh, we may not be able to get to of a Sunday morning in an official uh, message series, etc. But also it's so good to hear from other people. Right? It's so good to hear from other, uh, other believers, other ministers, people who have uh, a gift. And, and again, we'll probably talk about this, maybe some this morning as a bit of an example, but each and every one of us has a gift of ministry, mm-hmm. right? So it's important that we hear from as many people as we can is something that has been a neat thing. Well, here, let's go there. Somebody find for me real quick. Uh, where's that verse that says uh, the mind of Christ? Might find that for me and give me a reference. We'll just. It
1: also be you that was in Christ.
0: No, not that one. Not that one. that's, that's in Philippians. But this is one that says you have the mind of Christ. Yeah, I think that's First on? Corinthians, the first chapter. Gotcha. Might be what? Where is it? Uh, Somebody find it for me. Come on. Uh-huh. This old like sword drill. Do you remember sword drills yeah. in in yeah. in Sunday school? But this is this is Google drills. This is where you don't have the reference. Somebody just says a random phrase. From the verse, and you got to go find it, right? <laughs> Modern day sword drills. First Corinthians, two sixteen. First Corinthians, two
1: sixteen. No?
0: Oh well, let's read this. All right. So this is very good. So this will start. So so we'll pick up here, and I'll show you something. Um, that's important. So. Our subject for the month of August, I'll be with you each Sunday morning, is going to be Bible interpretation, right? If you want a $5 word, just to say you learned a big fancy word at church today, it's called hermeneutics. Everybody hermeneutics. give that a go. Say hermeneutics. Hermeneutics, hermeneutics or Bible interpret. So if you went to Bible college, uh, you would take this class. Again, just for those who don't know me or know my past. Not only do we have the privilege of being the pastors at the North Campus, uh, Celine and I started in ministry as missionaries in Mexico. We lived in Mexico City and we served at Rama Bible Training Center in Mexico City and we were instructors in the Bible school. And this is one of the classes that I taught uh, to all the first incoming year students, right? Is hermeneutics, Bible interpretation or how to interpret your Bible. That's kind of what we called it how to interpret the Bible for yourself. All right, so I'm going to go a little bit fast. This is going to be kind of like Bible school style, so if you want to take notes, take notes. I am recording, and we'll make this available on our podcast, so you can go back and listen to it uh, and go from there. But three subjects that I believe every believer should study, right? Whether you go to Bible school or not, no matter what happens, you should study Bible interpretation, right? You should do what's called Bible survey, Old Testament and New Testament survey. And basically what a Bible survey does is it helps you understand the generalities of the books of the Bible and how they fit in the story. Most people end up in problems in their interpretation of scripture because they don't understand where stuff fits. They They don't understand why did God record Genesis? Right, because not only is it a history book, but you have to understand as an example, Genesis, the seeds of the gospel of the entire New Testament are in the first eleven chapters of the book of Genesis. Right? Paul in the New Testament makes reference to Genesis constantly, right? And and points us back there and says, the beginning, the beginning, what was done. Jesus made it, I think it's in Philippians or Colossians where he says nothing was made by him except it was by him, through him, for him and there was nothing made that was not made by Christ. So see, Paul takes the New Testament doctrine of redemption and ties it to the first 11 chapters of Genesis. That's why in our current culture if we mess with the first 11 chapters of Genesis you actually mess with the gospel. See, a lot of stuff that happens in church today, Well, wow, I'm just, this is all right, it's okay? We're gonna we get back to here in just a minute, I forgot where I'm at, right? But there's a lot of stuff where people will say, oh, well, it doesn't matter about the creation story. It doesn't matter what that is. Who cares if God did it in six days or if he did it in six million years? It really doesn't matter. And guys, listen, that's dangerous theology because it matters enough that Paul said, no, 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 we go back to the beginning. Jesus said, talking to the Pharisees about divorce from the beginning, it was not like this. So see, you can't understand marriage without understanding the beginning. You can't understand the gospel without understanding the beginning. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you, but, but Old Testament uh, and New Testament survey will help you understand how all the pieces fit together. Does that make sense? Right. And just for, if y'all are curious about that, there's a, there's a theology that goes around to try to marry quote, unquote, Christianity with evolution in the sense of they call it uh, God-inspired evolution or God-guided evolution, where they sit there and they talk about how that, well, you know, it was really eons of time, you know, the the, the, the word day in Genesis when it says it was a day, it could have been a, a million years or whatever. And so God, so the first day was a million years and the next day was a million years and all this kind of stuff. Well, here's the challenge in some of that kind of stuff. Just for fun. This is okay? Just a little bit of fun? Yeah. The challenge with that is, is if God used evolution as a tool by which to bring about creation, then death was a tool of creation.
1: Six, seven, time.
0: So if God used evolution to create the world, Right? The precepts of evolution are creature changes, passes on its genes, dies, and it does it again. So then death is a part of the creative tool. And therefore, when Paul says, by one man's offense, death through sin entered the earth and Paul was lying. Okay, yeah, I got you. Okay. you see what I'm saying? If God used millions of years in a process of birth, pass on your genes, die, birth, pass on your genes, die, this process of evolutionary change, if God used that as a tool of creation, then there was no reason for Jesus to come to free us from death.
1: That's
0: right, that's right. So that's just a quick, does that make sense how how these are all tied Mm -hmm. together? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And it's important, that so that's Old and New Testament survey. So you need to know Bible interpretation, you need to know Old and New Testament survey You need to know two history classes that you need to study yourself. You need to know the history of the church itself, but you definitely need to know the history of your Bible. Where did your Bible come from? And I don't mean Amazon. Does that mean? (laughs) Right, You, you, you you need to know the history of how you hold a book in your hands 60, was it 67 individual books or letters? 66, thank you. 67, thank you. 66, you need to know all the books, but they were written by multiple authors over thousands of years in three separate languages. Right, and you hold it in your hand today or you hold it right here in this device today. And do you understand the amount of blood that was spilled so you could hold this book? The amount of martyrs that happened, that whole world. Do you realize that our modern age, and this is just some fun stuff. Does that make sense? This is kind of wet your appetite a little bit to inspire you to study. We live in an age in Western culture that was inspired by an event done in the 1500s called the Reformation. Anybody ever heard of the Reformation before? You understand that principally the Reformation was God breaking his word free from the bonds of legalistic religion. The whole purpose of the Reformation was to get the Bible and every reformer, Martin Luther, Huss, Wycliffe, Tyndale, they all said so that the plowman and the priest can read the scripture in their native language. That was the whole purpose of the Reformation that literally changed the world. You sit in this church in this facility today because of a handful of men who wanted to get the Bible out into every language they could. Does that make sense? Yes. And do you understand that that work of actually taking the Bible and putting it into the common tongue of every people is still going on today. I told you we lived in Mexico for four years and we led short part of what we did is we led short term teams and I'll never forget we were uh, first thing I'd been in country about two, three months And they say, Brad, you're leading a group from Ohio into a place called Shannon which was about a 16 hour truck ride on a dirt road from the nearest town. Back up at 16 hours. Yeah, we were in the truck, I'm with my native translator, Victor, who lived with us and stuff. And so Victor was there and we're bouncing along and I got all these white people bouncing in this car, right? And we're bouncing along in the backwoods of Mexico and uh, all the white people's backsides was getting real sore. And so they looked at me and, and they said, Brad, how long till we get there? And I said, I don't know. I've never been here before. So I turned to Victor. Victor, how long till we get there? And Victor goes, about three more hours. And I said, guys, just hang on. He says, it's three more hours till we get there. So we bounce along. So now we're, we've been bouncing about two or three hours. So we bounce about another three more hours. We're bouncing along. And three hours turns into four, turns into four and a half, turns into five. And they go, they go, Brand, when when are we going to get there? And I said, I don't know. And I turned back to Victor, and I said, Victor, when are we gonna get there? He says, oh, it's gonna be about another three more hours. <laughs> and that's when the words of wisdom from my mom came roaring back. I said, listen, guys, when the truck stops, we're there. <laughs> 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 and, and, until then, just hang on. And so we bounced back up in this mountain, and we, we ministered for a day or so, and we were, the first, uh, we were the first non-native Mexicans to be in that village that, they, that we know of. Right. We were the first ones they had seen. We were the first white people many of them had ever seen in that sense. Right. Um, And so we're back there and we're doing this stuff. So we're coming out a day or two later. And as we're traveling uh, back out of there, we pass another truck taking the same journey. And there's two young girls, 20, 20, and 21 from Wycliffe Bible Translators. And I looked at him, I started talking to him because we kind of had to stop and negotiate on this little rugged trail, how we're gonna get by. So while the, all the, the, the natives were getting the trucks, so I'm talking to these young girls. And I said, well, what are y'all doing? Well, we're from Wycliffe Bible Translators. We're here to translate the Bible in the, in the language. There's no Bible in this language. And I said, really? I said, how long is that gonna take This It'll take us about 10 years. We're here for the first five. We're here to learn the language actually put it into a written form and teach the people how to read their own language. Then after five years, another team will come in and they'll take our work and they'll turn it into the Bible and we'll print so all around. So again, see sometimes to hold this in your hand, you need to know where this book comes from, right? You need to know the story and the sacrifice of the privilege you have just to hold it in a paper format or a digital format in your hand. Does that make sense? It, it's amazing. Does that make sense? So anyway, y'all forgot, I thought, thought, forgot what I was saying. First Corinthians. Well, it's still good, it makes sense. And here's the reason why. So you, I say that because there's, those are, again, three, four lessons you need to learn. Again, you're not gonna get those in most churches. So I'm so pleased that Pastor Mark lets us do this here like this. Most people only get courses like this if you go to something like Karis right. or you go to a Bible college. But again, every believer needs to study hermeneutics or Bible interpretation. Every believer needs to study what is called Old Testament or New Testament survey. Right? Every, and In the coming weeks, I'll bring some of my books and you can look at some of the resources to help you. Does that make sense? So I won't leave you alone. And then you need to study two history classes, the history of the church itself, and the history of your Bible, right? But we're here to talk about hermeneutics, which is, again, that's a $5 word to just mean how can you interpret the Bible for you, right? And so we'll look at this. But here's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is just a bit of an example, and I'll use it and it'll fit in right here. So we're gonna talk on the front end, we're gonna talk on the front end about the most basic, tool, quote unquote, you can use to interpret the Bible, and it's called the law of context. So there are five contexts that you need to look at when you're studying something, when you're wanting to get more out of a passage, when you're wanting to understand more of what God is actually saying. And let me pause on this. Now remember, we don't come to the Bible to see what we think about it. One of the most dangerous questions I've heard in modern church culture is I'll pick on John here because he'll let me is we'll cut. We'll go to a Bible study at somebody's house and we'll say, so, John, Mm -hmm. what do you think about this? (laughs) verse?" Anybody ever heard that done before? Dangerous question to ask. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't value John and I appreciate John, but I don't give a hoot in Hades what John thinks about a verse. Oh, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. <laughs> the, the better question is, is God, what are you saying in this verse? God, what do you think in this verse? What are your thoughts here? Not my thoughts, not John's thoughts, not Wendy's thoughts. God, what are your thoughts? Right? Right? What's your, because basically, you guys, you understand, you are holding within your hand the thoughts of God. You are holding in your hand his statutes, it says, right? You're holding his will, it says. You are holding his ways right here. Does that make sense? Can, can, can I just help us a little bit? Because uh, I love one of our, our founding um, core values of Life of Faith as a whole organization, not just here, but we do it as well at, at the North Campus, right, is one of our core values is, is hearing the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Amen, aren't you glad about that? Amen. Now, I just want to add to that, not take away at all, but add to that. Do you understand, this is the primary voice of God. Yeah. This is his first voice. This is his greatest voice. This is his more permanent voice, is this voice right here. Does that make sense? Yes. And we'll look at it in the time probably, but over in Peter, I'll just say it right there. Y'all remember Peter? Yes. Everybody likes Peter, right? So remember Peter, James, and John? Y'all called them the three amigos? You know, <laughs> so Jesus' three amigos, Peter, James, and John, they had all these neat experiences. Well, one day Jesus said, Peter, James, John, come up here on this mountain. Yes. I'm going to show you something. So they travel up the top of this mountain and it says, and God transfigures Christ. The full glory of Jesus actually begins to shine out from him. How many would like to have been at that? But so like, how many would like to have been at that service? We talk about the glory cloud, you know, and I I heard Pastor Mark mentioning about, you know, back in the Azusa street days and the kids would play hide and go seek and the the glory cloud. We talk about that, we go, woo, hallelujah, right? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? How many of y'all like to be there? Man, there's Jesus. He's shining. He's glowing. Man, Moses shows up, and Elijah shows up, and Peter goes, man, we're just going to build three buildings right here. We ain't never leaving. Right? We're going to have church every day, every day, right Right here. Does that make sense? Yes. Except Peter, in his letter, says, we have a more sure word of prophecy than what I experienced on the mountain. Come on. Believers, you look at me. Peter, who literally saw Jesus transformed, literally saw Moses, literally saw Elijah, literally heard the voice of God on that mountain, says, this is more sure. This is more powerful. This is better. Amen, aren't you? Hey, hey, I'm all for the Holy Ghost goosebumps. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Can I just, I'm all for hearing. I mean, how many of you, you'd love to hear God audibly, right? Anybody love to? Now, here's your thing. I'm with you. I want to hear. I want to have all. I want the whole package. I want the whole meal deal, right? I want to hear. But here's an interesting thing I found about people who hear the voice of God from the Bible. That's right. Every person who had an open vision of Jesus or heard God audibly went through some hard stuff. Right? Y'all remember, remember, I mean, I love, it's one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. You know what I mean? And it bears witness, you know, there's, there's Paul, Paul knows two things. And we'll talk about this too. Paul made all of his decisions based on the known word of God. Both known here and known in his own spirit. He never made a decision on the unknown. So Paul knew by here, and he has a life verse and you can look at that. He goes to his life verse. So he knows that he is the apostle to the Gentiles, both by the word of God, and by the voice of God at his transformation, at his, uh, at his salvation on Damascus. So he has a word that talks about him, he has the voice of God that talks about him. So Paul knows two things, I am the apostle to the Gentiles, and I carry the message of justification by faith. So one day Paul wakes up and he says, boys we ain't been over there to the state of Asia yet. So he, my imagination he goes, Timothy buy us some tickets, take us on over there to Asia. Right, So somewhere between buying tickets and lunch In my imagination Holy Ghost shows up and says Paul you can't go to Asia Says that God forbade him to go So Paul turns around around lunchtime And says hey listen we ain't supposed to go to Asia So hey Bithynia That little town over there they got some Gentiles over there too uh, And they need our message So Timothy changed our tickets from Asia to Bithynia So Timothy starts between lunch and dinner Holy Ghost shows up again And says no 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 you can't go to Bithynia so here's some good free advice. When it seems really confusing what God wants you to do, do what Paul did. Paul took a nap. Wow.
1: <laughs>
0: That's what they did. Paul said, well, we're going to bed. Yeah. All right, God, this is, your, this is your deal. This is your baby. I'm ready, willing, and able. So you apparently, this is you. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. So Paul takes a nap, and it says he has a vision in the night of a man from Macedonia that says, come over here and help us. Right, so he literally has a vision. He sees something. God does something miraculous. He gets up in the morning and says, Paul, change those from Bethany. I need us to go over there to Thessalonica. Uh, can we go on over there? They get there, him and Silas. Everybody say they preach one message. Come on now. They preach one message. They preach one message and get thrown in prison, beaten with rods. Remember that? That's when their feet and their hands are in stocks and at the midnight hour. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard him. You remember that, Amen. That happened after that vision. See, every time there's open visions, it's always there to hold us in hard times that are coming. So even though I'm hungry for open visions, I also realize from Scripture, "Hey, God, listen. You know, I'm going to slow my roll just a little bit because I'm re- <laughs> I'm really good right now." <laughs> I don't necessarily need an open vision in what's going to follow. Does that make sense? But I say all this to say no matter what the vision is, no matter what is happening, the Bible is a more sure word of prophecy. More sure. Does that make sense? I'm, and I'm going on. Here we go. All right. Five contexts that you can look at in Scripture. There's the immediate context, right? There's the context of the letter or the book of the Bible, You understand that we we talk about the Bible as a whole, and we can and should, but it's more like a collection. It's a collection of, what did I say, 66. Is that what we said? All right. So it's a collection of 66 books, right? Or 66 letters, right? So you got to look at the context of each letter, right? Or each book. You want to look at books written by the same author. Right? Then you want to look at the context of the testament or the covenant in which the passage you're studying is placed because it matters. Then you look at the context of the whole Bible. Does that make sense? Right. I hadn't forgotten that we're supposed to be here in, in 1 Corinthians, so hold your finger there. But jump over to Timothy, 2 Timothy, and this will become our kind of text verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 probably very familiar to all of us and it says all scripture how much scripture oh. come on now y'all help me on how much scripture oh. what does that include all oh. oh, th- th- does that include genesis yep. no. amen here's how about deuteronomy yes. how about leviticus yes. Yes. <laughs> How about Ecclesiastes? Amen. How how about Malachi, the Italian prophet, right? Right. Here's the thing, and and I say that because in our quote unquote grace circles, we have to be careful because we have a little bit of hate on the Old Testament. Now understand why, and it's not unfounded, but here in the New Testament, Paul says all Scripture, How much of scripture? All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, which means teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete or mature, thoroughly equipped or furnished for every good work. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah, so, you know, they, they come against a few specific stories in Genesis, in particular. Yeah. One being the
0: flood. Yeah. And like
1: they walked in Ham when he built
0: that ark. Absolutely.
1: But my daughter told me something
0: funny yesterday. Did you hear that they had, there in Kentucky, they had to the claim flood insurance. <laughs> Water damage. <as laughs> oh, that's oh, a, a, uh, on the ark. <laughs> that's that that's funny. That's funny. But, but no, and it's true, all scripture. But listen, but, but the biggest thing is, is that word that says given by inspiration, that phrase right there. Right? Now, some of this, again, and, and I'm going to kind of intersperse other little Bible study tips as we call. Does that make sense? One of them is you have to realize that you're reading an Eastern book. You're reading a book from another language. Right, So that means it's a different language, it's a different culture. So part of being a good student of the Bible is to be a student of the language that it was written in and the culture that it was written in. And we'll kind of pepper that in. But in this case, that word given by inspiration in the Greek language, it's the word for breath. It's literally the word for actually when you exhale out. Everybody take a deep breath in and go You were just inspired. That's what that word means. So see, all scripture is God breathed. All scripture comes from the breath of God. Right? That's why on one side, even though we'll talk about looking at this as a piece of literature, we'll talk about looking at this as a book that we can study. You have to remember you're studying something that's alive. You're studying something that is living, that is breathed out by God. Does that, that's what makes the Bible different than any other book we'll study. Right? And that's why that breath of God brings with it, it says, teaching, it's doctrine, right? reproof, right? which is a form of, it'll, it'll show you what's right and wrong. You know, I know that's modern in our current culture to sit there and say, well, it's, it's not about right or wrong. Except it is, <laughs> right?
1: So it's not
0: bad. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, but the reproving thing is, is, is scripture will show you what's right. Because it comes from the breath of God. So again, I've I, heard me, if you've been around much and, and heard when I speak, you know, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me years ago is this about identity in myself. He said, son, He said, if your opinion about you is different than my opinion about you, you'd be wise to just stick with my opinion. (laughs) Well, the same thing is true about every other aspect of life, not just my identity. If God's opinion about a subject is different than my opinion about the subject, who's right? God, who gets to change? Me. Again, those of you who are married, you'll find this very something Selena and I have learned over the years and just the power of the scripture. This is the court of higher opinion. So, Selena and I have learned when we differ on something, we go to scripture and we ask ourselves, Father, what do you say about what we're talking about? And what we agree to do is we will come in agreement with you. And whoever needs to change will be glad to change because now it's not me saying to her, well, see, I was right and you were wrong. Does that make sense? We're going to the one who is right and who is true and we let him be right. And I just come into agreement with him. Does that make sense? See, that's what that word reproof, when it says it's there for doctrine, it's there for teaching, it's there for reproof. It's there for proving things. It's there for proving what is true. It's there for correction, right? It's there for instruction, what life looks like. Does that make sense? That's why we're studying. Does that make sense? So let's look at this. Okay, immediate context. When I talk about the five contexts, and I'm looking at time, I've got about another 10 minutes and we'll stop, is we want to look at the verse itself and what's around the verse. So when I talk about the first place you begin, and looking at the context of something is the immediate context. What is the immediate context? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians, where we were earlier. And let's look at this verse. Because how many of you have heard a good preacher say, you have the mind of Christ? Mm-hmm. Anybody ever heard somebody say that before? Mm-hmm. And we back in, in our good old Word of Faith days, we confess, I got the mind of Christ. Anybody confess that besides me? Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at this. Chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians I'm going to start in verse 6 and we'll lead down to 16. It says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would have crucified the Lord of glory." But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love them. But God has revealed them to us, to who? To us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the spirit of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually perceived. But he who is who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself rightly is judged by no one. Now notice verse 16, for who has the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but what's that next phrase? But, Amen. but, but who? But who? So remember, you understand that you don't have the mind of Christ, we have the mind of Christ. That's why you need other people. That's why you need to listen to other church family members, not just only us as leaders, as pastors, but to each other, because corporately, we have the mind of Christ. Do you see that? Have you ever, anybody ever heard a verse and it says, you got the mind of Christ. And it makes it sound like it's just you, you baby and only you. You got the mind of Christ all by your little lonesome. But here Paul says, no, 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 we, plural, have the mind of Christ. See, that's a big difference, isn't it? See, because I can't, with that one verse alone, to understand the mind of God, I can't stand on my own. I got, (laughs) okay, this is going over about like a lead balloon. Y'all all all right there? Everybody doing good? I know this is a, here's the thing too, remember, I know this is attacking a bit of our American culture, which is highly individualistic. I'm a self-made man. I pulled my own self up by my own bootstraps, right? You have to realize that unfortunately in our culture, many times we suffer from worshiping the unholy trinity, right? Me, myself, and I, right? The unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Right and But when you read and you look in the immediate context as an example, you look here and you say, oh, wait a minute. We have the mind of Christ. Me by myself. Did you read through that whole passage? And if you go back and look at it, how many plural pronouns were used? Does that make sense? If we started in verse 6. However, we speak the wisdom of We are not mature yet, the wisdom of this age, and the rules here, verse 7, but we speak. Does that make sense to keep going on down? Eyes not seen, ears not heard, revealed them, look at verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Right? You're going to be amazed that, again, and here's another little tip, you have to also, when you interpret the Bible, you have to interpret it Literally. And I don't mean necessarily like literal, literal, because there's some figurative language. Like when Jesus said, chop your hand off, he wasn't really talking about chopping your hand off. Or pop your ball out, he really wasn't being... I don't mean that kind of literal. I mean like literature. It was written in language. Does that make sense? So you have to interpret it grammatically. So when God principally uses plural pronouns... Is he talking about you alone? Who's he talking about? He's talking about you and we. But he's not talking about you by your little self or me by my little self. He's talking about always us. See, again, we have a culture that is, is taught to us from the, the scripture itself that is corporate and again, and I, and I say that as, a, as an interesting challenge to all of us, because one of the things we have to understand is that our heavenly culture is corporate. It's not individual. Yes, ma'am. So
1: because we are the body of Christ. We're baptizing for Christ, and His Spirit is in us. And this text says that who knows the mind of man separately? For the spirit, spirit of man, that's right. The spirit that is within us being in the body, we have the mind.
0: That's right. We have the map. So you still have it. And you still access it, but you have it together. Yes, Absolutely. Right? Again, we look throughout now, if we look at some other things, does that play out, for example, in another context? Remember what it says is just as an example in Proverbs, right? Proverbs says, in a multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. So even in the whole of the Bible, we see a concept of Me by myself, I don't know it all. Me by myself, even though I I have the mind of Christ, I have it with you. Mm -hmm. Right? So I need to come to the body, to trusted family, people that have walked with me, because in a multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. Does that make sense? You look at it, it's interesting that, can I just, is this this all right? We play and everybody track it with me, okay? I'm gonna stop here and I meant to say this earlier. I do wanna, and I appreciate everybody raising their hand. I will take questions each time. And so, and then if you have passages of scripture you'd like us to play with, bring them and we'll interpret them all together. How does that sound? Using the same tools. Because this is nothing, whatever you see is going on here is nothing because I'm special. It's just how it works. It's for everybody. Does that make sense? All right. Um, but we look here. So you ever noticed in the new Testament, starting with Jesus in the old Testament it's, uh, yeah, in the old Testament, it was all about the man of God. There was, there was the prophet, there was the priest, there was the King. They were the only ones who had the spirit of God. So in the old Testament, you had to run to the one who had the spirit of God. But in the New Testament, this is where it's important to understand the context of the New. In the New Testament, we all have the Spirit of God. So we don't have to go to the one. Come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. <laughs> Does that make sense? We, we, we don't have to go. Aren't you glad you don't have to come to me? <clears throat> aren't, aren't, you, aren't you glad? <laughs> Especially if I'm off around Galavant and who knows where I'm at, right? Now, does that mean I go to nobody? No. No. But aren't you glad you don't have to go to a certain special someone? Right. Now we have the spirit within us, and yes, he guides and talks to me, but he also put me in relationship with you so that we can talk together, so that we together can come to the court of higher opinion and we can learn of the mind of christ that we share together so that everyone's improved amen does that make sense yeah. does, it, does that help do y'all see and that's just a little bit of that context so now for time's sake anybody got a question got about five minutes we'll pick up here and everybody say slow down brad you don't have to do it all the day <laughs> anybody got a question or a comment or anything yeah
1: um doc came to me uh I, it, it came to me earlier in the week and I just <coughs> I'm reminded him just now. But it was brought back to in the in the prop in, in the uh revelation. It talks about the four creatures with eyes all yep. around ser- constantly circling ser- circling it's easy.
0: Yeah easy for me to yeah. say yeah. circling
1: the throne. And they're constantly Praising God, and somebody I heard somebody say once well, because as they're going around with all these eyes, they are always seeing something new and yeah. about God. And ultimately, here we're in the flesh; but right, we don't have that ability, so to speak. Yeah. you see a, 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 a part of God, I don't. See. That's right. I see a part of God, you That's exactly right. And together, when we come together, we see you know, we to help each other to see that's God right. from our perspective and what we have
0: seen and how he has worked in our lives. Yeah, that's, how we need each other. that's it. Again, and that's the whole, um, how do I say this? Because I want to be careful with this to not be confusing, right? We have to say, see, Christ had the spirit without measure. We don't. Corporately, as the body of Christ, we have the spirit without measure. But individually, right, I have a portion of who God is in the spirit of God based on who he's made me to be. Going up, don't don't shut again. Does that make sense? It's why we need each other, right? Because, see, I don't have the spirit without measure, right? Now, again, please hear me. I'm not missing anything, right? I'm not saying I'm coming up short. But God put his spirit on us all, and together we carry the spirit without measure, just like Christ did on the earth. Well, come on, now. Y'all, y'all doing all right. <laughs> Again, like I said, I mean, y'all looking kind of funny. I, I know this is challenging, individualistic American Christianity. I realize that. But guys, listen to me. We, we might be born here, but we're not from here. Yes. We're from somewhere else. We're, we're from a whole other kingdom. We're from a whole other culture. We're from a whole other place. And that place is called heaven. I love what Dr. I think Michael Brown says it like this. He calls us Havanians. <laughs> right. That you're not an American. You're a Havanian.
1: I, I, I hate people with that. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, oh,
0: what? Oh, what? That's right. Well, again, you, you're, you're from somewhere else. So again, as we study scripture, what we're also learning is the culture where we're actually from. We're also learning the culture that actually serves us best. Yes. Come on, does, does that make sense? Yes. Right. Again, I, again, I'll, I'll pick on us because I can, because I'm a American, like everybody else around here. All right, and please hear me. I'm, I'm a great, I like. Lee Greenwood, I'm proud to be. Love all that. Okay, so please don't nobody throw rocks at me or go tell Pastor Mark to fire me or nothing like that, right? <laughs> about, what I'm about to say. But we traveled all over the world. We lived in multiple countries. And I would sit, especially when we had a better relationship with the Mexican culture, and we had to teach people, we had to teach believers. You're not you're not from here, you're from somewhere else. So when you learn a new aspect about your true homeland, again which culture has, uh, has more power, my earthly culture or my heavenly culture? Heavenly. Which one deserves my greater allegiance, my heavenly culture or my earthly culture? So when I look and I would tell people, I said, you know, in, in America, here in America, we're known around the world for three things, right? We're known for bad beer. Because everybody thinks our beer is like water. Bad beer, bad coffee, because it's like the beer, it's just like water. Even with Starbucks. And we're known for being rude. Wow. We're known for being a little bit rude, a little bit arrogant, a little bit big for our britches, as we'd say here in Alabama. Does that make sense? Now, it's interesting when Scripture says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right, the great love chapter, right? So remember, is is love a part of our heavenly culture?
1: Yes.
0: How do we know it's part of our heavenly culture? (laughs) Because God is love. So if God is love, then who else is love? I am, I am also love because I share this <clears throat> DNA. Does this make sense? So love is my culture. And in First Corinthians chapter 13, Paul said, and love is not rude. It is not unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. So again like you know we grew up here in the south and it was a weird one for me because we lived in Canada as well so I grew up like many of you I grew up saying yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am right until I go to Canada and you say yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am and no ma'am and and you just insulted people (laughs) because it was yeah are you saying I'm old well, no, I'm just trying to be respectful. And, people, and I had to learn, as weird as it was, I had to stand back and go, well, I guess that's just rude. It is weird. But to stand back and go, oh, where I'm living now, it's rude to say yes, sir. Is, do you see how weird that is? It's, it's, it's weird to say that. It's strange to say that. It, it's but yet, But love isn't rude. So see, you understand, as I understand how to interpret scripture, okay, then i learn, as Paul said, how to be all things to all people so that I might win some. Because if I think I'm being polite and they just think I'm being rude, then that won't won't help it. Does that make sense? But I say that with our heavenly culture too, that there'll be times as we study this that you'll look at your life, I have to look at my life and go, oh, the heavenly culture is this way. The heavenly culture, so again, why is it important that we're talking about this is because, again, this is a living thing, but this is actually also who I am. And this will give me insights into my true culture, my true nature. Does that make sense? That, that, is, that is there, and you see that right there. And when I come across that, I have to sit there and say, okay, then whatever part of my earthly culture needs to just be done away with, it wasn't evil or wicked or wrong it's just not who i am it's not where i come from does does that help anyway all right so i'm gonna let y'all go do church again we'll be back next week and so come ready if you have questions if you want to talk about anything we're going to just keep walking through the context we're going to keep talking about how to interpret the bible again the purpose of this is again i will bring study aids in about a week or two so you can see actual other tools to use, but on the front end, I want us to be able to see that you and the Holy Spirit and the Bible are all you need. The other tool aids are great. They help, but you don't need them because you have the Spirit, you have the Word, and you have each other. And with these things, we can all interpret the Bible accurately together. Does that make sense? Amen. So Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for this time. Continue to teach us and show us these things. Open it up to us, Father. More and more, show us your word. Lord, our commitment, and if you're willing to just listen to this and say you agree, Lord, our commitment today is, Lord, fresh and anew, Lord, this this book, your word, the Bible, Lord, I make it the supreme and central authority of my life. It's not the last place I go, it's the first place I go. It's not my... Last thought, when all other things have have uh, failed or, or run out, this is where I go first to seek this first. And Lord, I just say that this is this is my um, yes, sir. This is my best friend in this life is your you and your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, you guys have a great Sunday.